Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylight Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Here we go for time. Yeah, look. Just have a look at this 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 uh, video. Just a very short video. Just have a look at. Just just put your eyes to the screen. Thanks, Gareth. This is a story about love. Love that came down from heaven. Love lived with us. Love spoke. Love healed. Love drew crowds. Love changed lives. Love made waves. Love was bold in the face of enemies. Love was true, no matter the cost. And love was faithful. Love prayed, listened, and obeyed. Love knew it had to be done and did it. Love was betrayed and abandoned. Love was silent when wrongly accused. Love was whipped. Love was beaten. Love was tortured and mocked. But love was strong. Love dragged itself to a cross and laid down willingly to be insulted, shamed, nailed, stabbed, ripped, abandoned, and killed. Love hung from nails as the crowd looked on. And God looked away. Love denied comfort. Love refused rescue. Love courageously did what love had to do. Love sacrificially did what only love could do. Then love took one last breath. And finished. Love gave his life. Love paid our debt. Love saved us all even when we were not worth saving. That's real love. That's real love. That's real love. That's real love. You know, um, as a pastor, every Easter I'm looking for a new message for Easter. You know, Christmas and Easter are some of the hardest times to work out what to say because you feel like you've said it all in the process of ever preaching. You feel like you've said everything you can possibly know. And, uh, and Easter is about love, but I actually reckon it's more about hope. And as I was praying this week about what, what should I share for Easter, God? What, what, what's the thing that's going to make a difference in people's lives? And, and this, this song came to my mind, and uh, it's an old song. Um, well, I might actually. I might just do that. Um, actually, can I say something? Singers, worship leader, you, you did great. He, um, Hannah, you did great this morning. Well done. Um, but we need some more blokes. They're all girls up there. And I know everyone's, there's people away on holidays and all sorts of things. And there were some circumstances changed at the last minute. But uh, blokes, if you can sing, join the creative team because we need more blokes singing up there. You know, I almost got up there and started singing at one stage. And... Uh, um, so I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, the song that uh, came to my mind, because I'm old school, is Open the Eyes of My Heart. And I don't know if you know it. You know the song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. So you did know it. Look at that. And, and I just thought, 
Yeah, but God, what does that relate to Easter? How does that work? And, and what does that actually even mean, open the eyes of my heart? And I sort of just prayed about it and thought about it. And it starts with this, this Ephesians 1.18. Because it's here, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he prays this prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So it's definitely got something to do with hope. And it's definitely got something to do with the rich inheritance we have in Christ. And it's an amazing thing to think about. But how does that relate to this open the eyes of my heart? And, and I just prayed that this morning that God really challenges you. That God really opens your heart to what only he can do in you and through you. And I felt to, just to start with this, just so I just, this was written down. I haven't edited this at all. This is exactly why it came out of my heart this morning. You see, Easter and the resurrection story is a reminder that no matter how difficult and distressing and troublesome our life and circumstances can be, like it might be that right now for you, right this minute, that we have this hope of new life, of the new life, of the resurrection, of forgiveness, of the miracle for our lives. We have this hope and that it can just be around the corner. And it's, it's like Easter, right? You know, on, on Good Friday, it looks like it's all gone wrong. It's gone pear-shaped. It, it, all the hopes and dreams were shattered for the disciples and for us. They were evaporated. They were gone. But don't worry. Sunday's coming. But don't worry. Sunday is coming. Sunday is just around the corner. Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes you can just get caught up in the, the day, the moment, and go, oh, heck, God, what's going on? Well, how's this all working? We've just got to remember that Jesus already paid the price for us. New life is there. The hope is there. Just around the corner. Just in three days it took. It changed everything. It changed everything. And here's the thing. Even if your dream this morning feels dead, even if this morning you feel like, You've lost all hope that it's died, that it's, it's, it's just evaporated. I want to just remind you that nothing is impossible for God. Right. Nothing is impossible for yep. God. And that my God, our God, works all things for the good of those that love him and called according to his purpose. And, and that means all things. That's not some things, a few things, every now and then. All things, everything, everything you're experiencing right now, he will work for good. At some stage, you just got to believe that and stay in that place of faith, knowing that's what it's all about. You know, not all things are good, understand that. But He works all things for your good. When all hope was gone at Easter, a tragedy on Good Friday, it looked like all hope was gone. And the disciples would have gone, look, we've given our lives to this. We've given three years of our lives and it's just gone. We've let us know it's, 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 it's nothing. Jesus is dead. But we know God had a bigger plan and purpose. And I know God has a bigger plan and purpose for your life. No matter what you're experiencing right this minute, God has got a greater plan and purpose for you. And I want to say that to you here this morning. Don't give up. There's a word for here, somebody. I just, I just it was so strong in my, my spirit. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whoever you are, don't give up. God's there for you. You just got to hang in there. 
And sometimes the thing that does look like death to us is actually the absolute opposite. It's actually life. And sometimes that thing that looked like darkness and tragedy and defeat is actually um, light of the new day and actually victory. And it's actually defeat of the enemy. It's exactly the way Easter worked. And it's good news. There's another thought. Sometimes our victories don't come in the way we thought they'd come. It doesn't mean they're not victories. It doesn't mean they're not victories. In God and through God, don't miss the miracle because it didn't look like what you thought it would look like. Don't miss that. You know, this morning I've called this, this message Easter means hope. And I just want to look, start by reading Luke 23 and 24, some verses out of that. So if you've got your Bibles there, open up to Luke 23, 25. I will have it on the screen as well. And this is where the women are going to the tomb where Jesus' body was laid and was meant to be. So Luke 23. 3 verses 55 and we'll go through into 24 to verse 8. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So the Sabbath is Saturday, so this is Good Friday. The Saturday they rested and Sunday morning, just what we're doing right now, Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday morning, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. He has risen. Jesus is resurrected. And that's the message of Easter. He is risen. You know, so, so what does this resurrection accomplish for us? What does it do for us? And it's pretty simple. Easter and the resurrection emphasizes and celebrates the fact that we can meet with the risen Lord. That, that's what it means. It basically means that you and I, our lives can be very different as a consequence of interacting with Jesus. And he is alive. See, there's a reason for our hope. There's a reason for our hope. There's a hope for our future. There's a hope for our circumstances. There's a hope for our children. There's a hope for our marriages. There's a hope for our businesses. There's a hope for our finances. There's a hope for this world. Even in the midst of rumors of war and destruction and all the things that are going on at the moment, there is a hope for you and for me. Don't ever let the, the darkness overwhelm that. Hold on to that. Christ is risen. He's risen for me personally in that process. We have a hope for our lives and for those we love and, uh, and for our future. And, and, and the hope doesn't always come in the way that we're hoping it will be packaged. Sometimes it comes in ways that we aren't expecting. But it's about a hope eternal, a hope eternal, hope of eternal life with God. And as Christians, we can believe that. If you're not, that, if you're not there this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that later. See, our lives have been transformed maybe sometimes physically, spiritually, emotionally. And, and sometimes it comes in a way that we're not expecting. You know, I remember a story about a young guy who uh, 
wanted to propose to his girlfriend. And he, you know, he knew that the romantic thing was to put the ring in champagne, right? He said, ah, oh, I can do better than that. And I put in a thick shake. When we go to Macca's, very romantic, and I put in a thick shake. He took a few friends with him just to make you know, the, the moment, celebrate the moment. So he got the thick shake, dropped it in. They're there sitting at the table, sipping away in their thick shakes. For some reason, his girlfriend's not drinking very quickly, and they're all just sort of sitting there, okay, uh, what's going on? And, uh, and they're all just in anticipation of her finishing it and finding the ring in the bottom. So one of the friends says, oh, well, look, how about we have a race to see who can finish the thick shake the quickest? So, okay, so they're on and whoop, on and they check the cup and there's nothing in there. And uh, they're going, what do we do now? <laughs> they, they said, look, you just drank an engagement ring. He said, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. She didn't believe that she actually had drank that engagement ring until she actually saw the x-ray of it in her stomach. And then she said, yes. But sometimes those things we're expecting don't come the way that we're expecting them. And so we don't actually agree that that's what actually happened. And it's true in life. It's true in life. And this is my first thought this morning, that the living Christ tells us there is still hope. No matter what the world tells you, no matter what the news tells you, no matter what's happening throughout the world, there is still a living hope because of Christ. You know, and our world has so many hopes, and, and, uh, and one of them is a desire to live longer. And, uh, and somewhere in the United States today, there's a fridge, a freezer, with Walt Disney's name on it. Now, his name isn't on it because it's his fridge. His name's on it because he's in the fridge. It's called cryogenics. And, and, and Walt's hope was in the future, that one day they find a cure for the cancer that had killed him. And they'd be able to thaw him out and fix him up. And uh, cryogenics is a major growth industry, apparently, in the US particularly. And we live in a world that's obsessed with living longer, wanting to live longer. And that's why we're told to eat less fat, less cholesterol, give up smoking and drinking and, and sugar and salt. And, and it's all just common sense, right? And, and, and if, you want to do, if you want to live longer, you do those things, right? Or at least it feels like it. you live longer anyway, one or the other. But the obsession goes further than that. People would really like to live forever. And, and this isn't something new. This has been something that's happening for eternity, really, I guess. You know, the pyramids and the fountain of youth and, and all the, the alchemists and, and, and all that sort of thing was all based around trying to live longer. And the, a few years ago, there was a, a, a story on the New Sydney Morning Herald on the front page. It said this, One day we'll live forever, but not in our lifetime. The article goes on to talk about some um, scientific uh, work research being done in Chicago. Um, <laughs> it says this, death may not be certain after all. And it went on to talk about fruit flies and how they doubled the life of fruit flies in this, this um, research. And, and everyone got excited about that. But why do we desire to live forever? What's that about? What, what, what's really at the core of that? I reckon it's, it's pretty much that we are, people are fearful of death. Pretty much, that, that's what it comes down to. They don't know what stands on the other side of this life. And they don't really want to find out. So they reason that if we can live this life forever, we don't never have to find out. And they'll do whatever they can. But it goes beyond fearing death. It goes to the heart of what makes people tick, I believe. 
Because each one of us knows there is an eternity in our heart. If we really examine our hearts, we know there is an eternity. You know, the Bible tells us that God's placed eternity in the hearts of men. And so you and me, we know there's eternity. Just we don't know what's, how to get there or what it's all about. And, and, and I think it's been suited in us since the beginning. And I think that's why Walt Disney put himself in that freezer, put his body in that freezer, committed to all that money and resource to doing that. I think that's why we make fruit flies live twice as long as they're supposed to. You know, they want to live forever, and, and someday us humans might be able to do that as well. That's what they're reasoning. But the hope of that living is just impossible. You know, it'll never come. Even with the advances of science and medicine, Walt Disney's still going to stay frozen unless someone unplugs the fridge. What an unpleasant thought, eh? What an unpleasant thought. See, in the end, those things are out of man's control. We can't control them. As much as we think we can, they're in God's hands. And there's nothing we can do about them. You know, Jesus tells us in John 5, 21, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he pleased to give it. Jesus has this promise for you and for me. He said only he can give eternal life. In, in John 5, it talks about this. He says he is eternal life and only he can give eternal life. But it can start with a choice, a decision right now. And Jesus says, whoever hears his words and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. Eternal life begins the moment you believe in the risen Christ, in Jesus Christ. It's not to say that you'll never grow old. It's not to say you'll never get sick. Because that's, we're human. That's, that's what, what we've ended up with. There's a physical death. But, promise, but Jesus promises, though, even though we die, we will live. You know, um, in the story of, of the raising of Lazarus and Jesus talking to Martha, his sister, in uh, John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus says this to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this this morning? That's the decision. That's the choice. See, that's where our real hope is. Do you believe? It's such a great question. You know, Hebrews, Hebrews 6.19 talks about the anchor of our soul. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. You know, and, and it's a beautiful verse and a beautiful promise. And it's an unbeatable promise, really. You know, our soul being our mind, will, and our emotions. And, um, and, and, and who knows, our, our emotions need an anchor. We need something to, to anchor them down sometimes because they can be all over the place. And, and, and recognize this, when a boat is anchored properly, well, we'll still face waves, we'll still face storms, we'll still face the wind, but just that it won't be moved. It's anchored to something. And that's what the resurrection does for us in Christ. That's what happens because of Jesus, because of the hope we have, because we live in the midst of this hope. In the worst storms of our life, we are still anchored to the resurrection and the hope we have in Jesus. No matter what we face in our work, in our family, in our circumstance, in our situation, even in, in circumstances way beyond our, our control, we still have this hope, a living hope. Because the living Lord. Uh, another big question we can ask ourselves, well, how can I be sure what Jesus says is true? How can I be sure that is actually the truth? And it's probably impossible for someone to, to actually prove um, 
what lies beyond death, you know? Those, of course, they come back from the dead, as Jesus did. You know, if Walt came back from the dead, well, then I'd listen to what he had to say, you know? But it's very, 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 very unlikely. But Jesus has already done it. He's already done it. And, and, and there's a message of the resurrection of Jesus that's so important to us to hear and understand and, and not get familiar with, as Chris shared on Good Friday. Don't get familiar with the cross. Don't get familiar with the, the message of Jesus. Because we can, we can get an apathy towards it sometimes. We have to stir ourselves up and say, no, this is the living hope I'm living in right now. This is the Christ resurrected that I know, that I know, that I know, who's, who's in me, right in me now. There's a promise of eternal life for each one of us. You know, in that article in the Sitting Morning Herald, one day we'll live forever, but not in our lifetime. The headline that Jesus gives is quite different to that. He says, you can live forever, starting right now you can live forever starting right now right this minute see there's a choice to be made there's a choice for you and for me every day the choice is simple you can have this hope of eternal life by looking at the science laboratories in chicago or you can have a choice to believe in jesus who's the one who's able to offer eternal life to you and to me right this minute. He came back from the dead to prove that he could do that. And that's our hope. That's a resurrection. That's our hope of the risen Lord. The second thought's this. The presence of the living Christ is life-changing, but we must allow the living Christ to change us. We must allow the living Christ to change us. You know, and I think I could safely say for people who aren't Christians... One of the biggest stumbling blocks in Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. For some people, they just don't like it or can't accept it. We live in a scientific, cynical age. I recognize that. And we want to test and measure everything. And, and what we can't see, we won't believe. That's the truth of our age. It, it absolutely is. And people rising from the dead, well, sure. Really? Seriously? Can you, can you actually believe that? Seriously? But doubting the resurrection isn't a new thing. It's been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. In fact, <laughs> strangely enough, the first person that was to doubt the resurrection was probably one of Jesus' closest supporters, a man by the name of Thomas. And we might know him as Doubting Thomas. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And, and, and when Jesus does appear to Thomas a little bit later on in John 20, 27... He says this to him, put your finger in here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do you need this to believe, basically, you know? Then he says this profound statement, stop doubting and believe. Church, I don't know where you are in Christ this morning. I don't know what your, your relationship with like, is with Jesus Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. What else have you got to hope in? For goodness sake. What else are you going to hope in? Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Maybe that's a word for someone here too. Well, it's all good and well for, for Thomas, you know. He could actually meet with Jesus and see the holes and put his hand in his side, and that's all good. 
But how about us today? How, how does that work for us? How, how can I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And, and we're not in the same position as Thomas. We couldn't actually do that. All these events took place obviously 22,000 years ago. But if you are the Thomas type, if you are the doubting type, I won't, that says, I won't believe until I see, then you're probably going to be a little disappointed because I can't prove it to you. But what I can do to you is, is steer you towards the evidence. You see, we weren't there to see it, but we have to look at the evidence that's there. See, um, there's so much body, a body of historical evidence there, not just written by the disciples, by all sorts of historians, to recognize that Jesus rose again, that he, is, that he res, was resurrected. And, and, and you think, well, I, I won't believe it till I see it. Well, here's the deal. For some might say, well, I don't believe in the First World War because I didn't see it with my, eye, my own eyes. It doesn't make it an issue for me, but what we can do is investigate the facts, check the books, read the testimonies of people who are there, read the papers from that time, and you go, well, you'd have to say, well, yeah, there was a First World War then, based on that evidence. Well, it's the same for us. If you're a doubter, if you're not believing what, we're, what you hear here this morning, Sometimes you have to do your own investigation on that. Maybe you need to read and start to look at it. Just don't make the assumption out of your own uh, subjective decision or choices or options. Because I know, look, here's the deal. My wife became a Christian before I did. I didn't want to go to church. I was happy on Sunday morning at home with the coffee, in the sun, reading the Sunday paper. I didn't want to believe. I didn't want to believe until God got my heart. He broke through and I recognised how important it was for my wife, so not just for me, for my wife, for my family, that we worship together as a family. That they saw me leading my house and not being the, the snivelling one at home going, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I'm just going to have a coffee at home and I'm going to have a nice sit in the sun and just relax and, oh, this is good without the kids. And uh, seriously, that's not leadership. That's not leadership. Men, that's not leadership. Come on, lead your families. Lead your families in the ways of Christ. We all need to do that. We all need to do that. So when it comes to investigating the resurrection of Jesus, the same evidence is there for you and for me if we look. The historical evidence is there, so much. In the Gospel accounts, we're given eyewitness evidence. And this is what John said, an eyewitness, in John 20, verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his names. In his name. You see, Thomas saw the risen Jesus. He knew immediately what the consequences were because he said this, my Lord and my God. As soon as he saw Jesus, he went, my Lord and my God. There's no escaping. He is who he claimed to be. He is the risen Lord. And the consequences are obvious. You believe in him and you trust him and you are changed. You are transformed by him, by knowing him. You want to live your life different. It's not that you have to live your life different. It's grace. But you want to live your life differently from that point forward. You know that the way you've been living before this point really wasn't God-honoring. And from this point forward, you want to honour God with their life. 
you know, if, if you're here this morning and you're someone who believes in the risen Lord, then today's a day for you to, rem- to be reminded of the hope that we all have. If you come here this morning like Thomas, unsure about Jesus being raised from dead, then Jesus says to you, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Make sure you check out the facts about Easter. Make sure you check out the, the facts about Jesus. You know, John, who is an eyewitness, says this. These were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And my third and last thought this morning is this. Believe and lean your whole weight upon this. And I'll explain this point in a minute. But the, the point is believe and lean your whole weight upon this. You know, the, the verse we've already read out of, of John 11 about Jesus saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. He believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? There's a question there. Do you believe this? It's a challenge. Do you believe this? You know, when Robin and I, um, quite a few years ago now, we uh, went to Vanuatu on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip. And we, uh, I, I did a part of doing a, a pastor's conference for the local pastors there. And uh, um, actually, we've got some people away in Vanuatu at the moment in Port Vila. But uh, we went to the island of Tanna. Now, the island of Tanna is extremely remote and very, very basic and very primitive. And people still live in grass huts and not all of them are clothed. And, and there's some amazing things there. And it's just a little bit scary. It's just a little bit scary. And, um, uh, you know, it's one of those places. Let, let me explain it to you. Well, we got there by boat. I won't tell you that story because it's a great story, but I haven't got time this morning. Um, but there's a place that you can actually drive up to within about a kilometre of a volcano, of a live volcano. Now, the landscape changes. It just goes black. And you get sulphur in your eyes because you're in the back of a ute and you're travelling along and you get sulphur in your eyes and you can hardly breathe. And, and so you, you park. And the only reason you have to park and you can't drive right up to the volcano is because there's all these big rocks. And you go, where do all the rocks come from? I said, oh, that's when the volcano blows. It just blows out the lava and there's just plonks there. And you go, hang on, we're walking through where the, the lava rocks plonk. Anyway, you can walk right up to the edge of the volcano and stick your head over it and look down into this bubbling mass. And the only instruction there, there's no ropes, there's no guidelines, there's nothing, signs. The only instruction that are there on a little rock, if there's a big explosion, run. <laughs> and seriously, seriously. If it explodes, there's little explosions all the time, but if there's a big explosion, what happens is it blows right up into the air and the lava goes up and has, you've got a few seconds to run and get out of there and then it plonks down. And if you get hit by lava, obviously you're dead. And, and that's the sort of place it is. It's very primitive. And while we're there, um, I heard this great story and read this great story about uh, a missionary and I had great empathy for him because it was a bit scary, the place, you know. And his name was John Patton. And he's from England. He was the first missionary, it was his first missionary posting. And uh, he was sent to Vanuatu, which was called New Hebrides at that time. And uh, so he set sail for there. He had a wife and a five-week-old son. And uh, they both died within three months of arriving on the island. Um, for three years, he laboured among the natives. Now, these guys were very hostile. And... I need you to know they're also cannibals. But they actually were cannibals. And, uh, and, and many threats were made of his life uh, and, until one day he just, just escaped with his life and, and left the island. But he later returned and spent five years on another island that we actually, we were standing on the beach, they said that's the island that John Patton went to. You know, Tanner was too 
dangerous for him, so he went to another island just across the, the pass there. And he started translating the Bible in their language, and it was John's Gospel. And he couldn't get a word, a phrase to fit believe in or trust in. Now, you've got to understand, um, which John uses heaps in his Gospel, you've got to understand these islanders, because they were cannibals, they didn't trust anybody. Because if you learnt, if you trusted somebody and they double-crossed you, you were dead, you were eaten, you know, and that's the way they worked. And there was no word for trust in their language. And, and Peyton's trying to work this out, and, and his, his native servant came to the room, and he was sitting down at the time. And he said, well, what am I doing? And the native said, well, you're sitting at your desk. And Peyton then raised both his feet off the ground, off the floor, and sat back in his chair. He said, what am I doing now? And reply, the servant used a verb which means to lean your whole weight upon. To lean your whole weight upon. And that's the phrase that Peyton used throughout John's Gospel to translate to believe in. Lean your whole weight upon. Okay? And, and it's the word that we need to understand. It's the way to live our lives. It would do us a whole lot of good to believe that way to lean our whole weight upon that belief, the whole weight of our understanding of Jesus Christ, the whole weight of believing that the resurrection is what it says it is, the whole weight of believing that we serve a living God, the whole weight of understanding and help us be more passionate, not passive and, and apathetic or lukewarm about the gospel, to lean our whole weight upon that, of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. See, he rose again after three days. So we have an opportunity to lean our whole weight upon that understanding. And for some people I say, well, that's a hard thing. You say that Jesus, if I don't, if I don't accept Jesus in my heart, I don't get eternal life. Charles Spurgeon has something to say about that, about hard things. And he used the analogy of eating. He said, well, if we don't believe in eating because it's so animalistic or it takes too much time or whatever gripe we've got about it, whatever reason, no matter where we go and what we do, there's nothing that's going to change the fact that eventually we will die if we continue to refuse food. And he says, would you then complain and say that's a hard thing that I should die because I don't believe in eating? He goes on, of course not. It's not unjust. You've just decided not to eat. That's your decision. You'll die eventually. It's just a matter of when. Well, it's exactly the same with Jesus Christ, about believing about Jesus Christ. See, the Bible tells us, believe and you'll be saved. And if you choose not to believe, it's not a hard thing. It's just your choice. And you're lost and you will die. It's not unjust. It's, it's, it's just a decision you've made with eternal consequences. That's why we have to be so passionate about sharing the gospel with people. This is eternal we're talking about. And it's a very interesting perspective, I think. See how God is just and he's fair. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth for you and for me to go through the humiliation and the beatings and the spilling of his blood and, and, being, and being put on a tree and nailed into a tree. He did that for us to pay the price for our sins. He did that for you and for me. But that's not the end of the story, thankfully. That's not the end. He rose again after three days. And we now have the privilege of choice. You see, God gives us free will. No one makes you do anything. It's your choice how you respond to this message. You make the choice to be new and transformed or not. Your choice, not a hard thing. It's just your choice. 
your choice. We make up our mind for ourselves. You know, just to finish, apparently 98% of people in this world acknowledge that there is a God of some type. It's just a part of the way we are. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity to praise you, to worship you, to celebrate this day. God, we we thank you for what you did for us, the sacrifice on that cross 2,000 years ago. God, we, we... We never want to get apathetic to that. We never want to diminish that that feeling of the emotion of what that took. Father, I I thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus. He died on that cross, but yet, God, I thank you so much that he rose again after three days. Without that, our, 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 our religion, our Christianity is pointless. He rose again. He was resurrected after three days. And because of that, we, ha- we now live in this victory that can only come from you. God, we thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful privilege it is to serve you, to know you, to love you, to be a part of your kingdom, build your kingdom on this earth. God, we thank you for eternity that you have placed in our hearts. God, I thank you that we can celebrate this day so freely. There's no persecution for us here in this place. We can celebrate who you are. We so want to do that well. There's one other prayer I just want to finish with here this morning. I don't know where you are in this, and I know you would have been challenged by the, by the message that I brought this morning. But don't, don't do it for me. Don't do it for anyone else. Respond to this from you. Consider that for you. Stop doubting and believe. Come on. What are you, holding? What are you scared of? What's the thing that's holding you back from this decision? It'll be the best decision you make in your whole life. And here this morning, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. Because I don't know all of you at all. I don't know where you are. Maybe you, you've, you've never made this decision. Maybe you've made this decision before, but somehow got distracted and off the path. Well, here's an opportunity to get your life right with God this morning. And I'm not going to labour this. I want to give you the opportunity, though. If that's you this morning, just a simple choice, a decision. And, and the decision is just great want to be a part of this and by just putting your hand up I'll recognise you and pray with you so if that's you this morning here's an opportunity right now to make that choice to make that decision to change the pathway of your life I want to challenge you right now is that you? put up your hand right now right now right where you are right where you are thank you anyone else thank you thank you anyone else here this morning come on anyone else here I'm going to change the pathway of your life right now Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you for the new life you have promised us, God. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to to know you more, to be more like you. God, we, we thank you for your forgiveness on the cross, God. We thank you that you've forgiven us for all the things we have done wrong in our lives, God. There's so much, and we call that sin. God, we thank you, and I ask you into my heart this morning. I want a fresh revelation of who you are. I want to live my life differently from this point forward. And I thank you for this wonderful opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, come on. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. 
We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.